0: Second to um, the last Sunday that we're going to have here, so I really wanted to meet together with you guys and share and just kind of be together um, as we look forward to the future. Uh, I believe the last sermon I preached was on John 12, and today we're going to look at John 13, um, but we're going to skip a little bit of the passage and we're going to land on verse 31 of John 13. Um, Now, just to paraphrase the narrative before this verse 31. The Bible says that it was just before the Passover feast, so it's um, Jesus's last Passover while he's on the earth, and um, they're gathered for supper. It's their dinner time, um, and Jesus takes a towel, he wraps it around his waist, um, and he begins to wash the feet of the disciples. This is something that you that you you, you understand like rabbis would never do this, right? It's like imagine if um, like think of like like the president of a university like going and like I don't know like like mopping the the, the gym floor or something like that. It's something that never is done, right? You like you would never see like um, a rabbi wash the feet of this, the disciples, but Jesus he starts to wash the feet of the disciples, and Peter you know has one of his moments and um, where he's like, "You're not gonna wash my feet, you you'll never wash my feet," and Jesus says. Um, If I don't wash you, then you share nothing with me. You have no share with me. Basically, you'll have nothing to do with me if you don't allow me to wash your feet. And it's kind of the symbolism of not only Jesus washing the feet of the disciples, of him humbling himself, but it's of him, you know, his blood washing away our sins. Um, And so Peter, um, he's like, oh, then if, you know, not just my feet, but wash, wash my hands, wash my head, wash my whole body. You know, he's very, like, zealous, right? Peter's very zealous. Um, he's a sanguine, and so, you know, he he kind of, he's one of those guys, he's like me, um, always sticking his foot in his mouth and saying stupid things. Uh, but Jesus teaches them about humility, about service. Um, and soon after this, he basically calls out Judas as his betrayer. And so um, he he'll, he tells his disciples, one of you in here is going to betray me. And um, they're all like, Who, who's it going to be, Jesus? Who's it going to be? And he basically says, the one that I take this little piece of bread, I'm going to dip it in some wine, and if whoever I give it to um, is the one that's going to betray me. And then he does it. He dips it, and he gives it to Judas, right? And then Judas, like, you know, he takes it, he eats it, and then Jesus says, what you are going to do, go do it quickly, right? And so G- Judas, basically, he, he leaves. And the disciples didn't really understand this transaction. They thought that he was maybe... Because he's the guy that carries all the money that he was going to go and buy all the food for the Passover feast. But he leaves. And then now we're at verse 31. And so verse 31, we're going to start start reading. Uh, It says, When he had gone out, talking about Judas, Judas Iscariot, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will not also glorify him in himself, and glorify him at once. Little children... Yet a little while I am with you, you will seek me. And just as I have said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, Where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Um, You are also to love one another by this. All people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now. But you will follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will will not crow till you have denied me three times. And so there's this interaction with Peter and Jesus. Jesus has a lot of interactions with Peter uh, in the Bible. Um, And a lot of times Peter, he makes kind of a fool of himself. But, you know, as we read this passage, um, if you have kids, you will know that one thing that, that kids don't understand is the concept of time. Um, Ethan, he's at an age where he's like, he's like almost, what, seven now? And so he understands time. He understands what, what a day is. He understands what a week is. If we tell him how long a month is, he kind of has that concept in his head. Um, he's starting to understand but Ezra is still at an age where he has, no, he has really no concept of time. So Mina will, will tell Ezra, like, hey, um, your grandma bought you a toy and she's going to send it and it's going to come here in about a month. And then that same day, we'll get a package that comes to our door and Ezra will be like, oh, Ethan, this is, grandma sent us this toy. It's the toy. He gets so excited. And then Ethan's like, it's not it. Like, he knows that it's probably something that Mina ordered on Coupon. And then Ezra will insist that we open it in front of him and we'll open it and it's like a lotion that Mina bought and then he gets all disappointed because for Ezra, he really doesn't have a concept of what time really is. Um, He still sees it as it's like in a moment, right? A month is the same as an hour to him, basically. Everything is immediate, right? If grandma said that she's sending a toy, Right? It's going to come now, right? It should be here now, right? Um, he wants everything to be immediate, you know? We'll tell him that we're going to a water park in a, two weeks, and he thinks it's, like, tomorrow. Like, oh, we're going to go. And he, he has an expectation that it's supposed to be immediate. For everything, it's now, now, now. But it's it's like that with us grown-ups as well. Like, we order things on coupon, Why? Because we can get it tomorrow, we can get it the next day, right? There's that little rocket, right? And then these days, I come to the point where if it doesn't have the little rocket, I don't even really click on it, right? I'm feel like, oh dude, I mean, I gotta wait like eight, day, like I gotta wait like four days? Like no, I need it, I need it now, right? I need it immediately. So I don't even look at the ones that don't have the little rockets on them because I know that they're gonna take more than a day. It's gonna come in a, you know, like maybe three days, and I can't take that. You know, it has to come now. And as people, we tend to live in the now, in the immediate. Everything has to be immediate. It's not just how we want our products, but it's also how to, how we interact with God. And we have this scenario here in Peter and with Peter and Jesus, where the mind, this mindset, comes into play because Peter and Jesus, in this interactions, they both use the word now. Right? They both use the word now. But when we really read it, we you realize that they're talking about completely different things. right? So Jesus answered him, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? Right? Well, if you read this passage in the Greek, Jesus uses the word noon, um, and it's talking about present time, but it, it frequently, the lexicon says, it frequently denotes a somewhat extended portion of, of present. Meaning it's talking about like, like time, as in like this time, maybe this this week, this month, this year that we're living in. So the word that Jesus used is more of a season. It's like this season of time that, that, that they're in. It's present time, but it's more like an extended period of time. Um, Peter uses the word arti, and it means right now, immediately right now. Right? Immediately right now, right this very second. Um, Why can't I follow you right now? Immediately, like right this very second. Why can't I go with you where you want to go? Ezra will come to me and will be asking me, he'll he'll come and bother me, and I'll be like, not now. When I say not now, I'm not telling him he can come at me like 30 seconds later and ask me the same questions, right? It just means like not now. The time that we are in means not now. That's what Jesus is using it. But Peter, he looks at this word, he, he uses the word, for this present time, this very second. And this points out to us how differently God sees time and how 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 we see time. We like God sees time in, in seasons. Right? He sees and understands and he works things out in seasons, but man, we see it as immediate, right now, this very second. We see the way that God sees time in the way that He created the universe. Seasons. right? We're in the season of what? You guys know? We're in the fall. Autumn, right? It's autumn. And then right after this comes what? Winter, right? I'm going to turn this off. Winter. And after that is what? Spring and the fall. God works things in season. If you plant a seed, right? It doesn't like immediately shoot up after you put it into the ground. It takes a season for it to grow. It takes a season for it to bear fruit. right? Shine is pregnant with baby Lincoln, but like Lincoln didn't shoot out of her body as soon as the, the, he was conceived, right? That'd be terrifying, right? But then He will come, and He's going to come soon, but He comes in His season. God sees time and sees our lives in seasons. But we see it, and we can see it in the way that He works creation. He created us to be and to see time as seasons. But how, how do we see it? We see it like now. Immediately, what's happening right now? The issue in my life right now, right? At this very moment, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. How many of you guys ever thought that way? Right? This, what's happening to me right now, is the worst thing that has ever happened to me. And then three months later, you're like, this thing that's happening in my life is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Or if it's a good thing, it's like, this is the best thing ever. Right? Like nothing has ever been as good as this. This is the best, best thing that's ever happened to me. And when we live our lives in moments and seconds, but we are created and sustained by a God who created us for seasons, uh, we're going to have some problems. It's not going to line up. We're going to make some bad decisions. There's going to be a disconnect between what God sees and what we're seeing. Because God wants us to see things in seasons, in these long stretches of time where He has planned things out for us. But we just see it in the immediate. What I see right now, this very moment, When God has you in a process where He wants you to mature and grow through a season, but all you're focused on is what you see and what you're experiencing at that particular moment, we're going to have the wrong perspective. We're going to do some things that don't make sense. We live in the moment. We live in the second. Now, there is something to be said about living in the moment. In the Bible, Matthew 6.34 talks about, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. It sounds like live in the moment, right? Live in the moment. Live in the now. But you see, in order for us for this to make sense, for us to really be able to live in the moment, in order for us to enjoy the now, it's very important, and it's predicated on the fact that we have a God who has ordained and is in control of the seasons of our lives. If we don't understand that God is the God of this season, Right? We're not going to be able to enjoy the now of our lives, the moments of our lives. That He has a purpose for this season. That this season, there's a reason for it in our lives. But what usually happens? When do we start living our lives in seconds and moments? You know, when we go through troubled times, when we go through difficult seasons in our lives... We start to see things in moments and in seconds. Let me tell you, this is what I do. Right, This is my MO. When things start to go bad, I get stuck in that moment, right? I get stressed out by that moment. Yeah. We get stuck and we, in our struggles and in our troubles. We can't get past it this second. We can't get past this moment to see the season that God has our lives in. And we might be going through some stuff and we look at the second, we look at the moment, and it doesn't make sense. Right? And it doesn't make sense. There'll be moments in our lives where we, we will take it to God, and say, like, God, what was up with this moment? Like, why did you give me this moment? Why did you give me this second? But when you take those moments, and you stick them back into the seasons of your lives, into the long stretches that God has us in, they'll start to make sense. You'll start to realize that God is in control, that He's faithful, that He's good. And we have to realize and understand that whatever we're going through, it's a season. And when we understand this, you can start speaking into the situations. You know, I know that this is a tough situation. I know that this is a struggle in my life. I don't, I know that, and I don't like this. You know what I'm going through at this moment, but it's a season. God has ordained for it to be in my life. He is a God of seasons, and then what I'm going through is just a season that He has ordained. And He set it up for me to go through this, so that I can be stronger, so I can be, that I can be more, you know, that I can mature and grow in this process. That He works all things for good for those who love Him and call, are called to His purpose. You know, we, we take that toilet paper roll off of our eyes. Who's done that when you were little? You take that toilet paper roll, and then you just focus on, On whatever that you're looking at, you know, and it's, what do you call that? It's called tunnel vision, right? And it's like tunnel vision. We gave Ezra binoculars one time. Um, and then he, he looked at him backwards. He put the big point in his eyes and then he's like, oh, everything looks so small, right? That's what we do. We like take the world and the season that we're in and then we just look at one thing with these like upside down, inside out binoculars and we just focus on that thing and we can't look at the big picture of what's happening in the season that God has us in the season that he's working us through in that in that moment. And so if I don't focus on this issue in my life, if my focus is not on this moment in my life, then what do I focus on, right? A lot of times we don't know the future. We don't know what's going to happen. This is where anxiety comes in, right? Like if I'm not going to focus on this issue and try to fix this problem, And what do I put my mind to? What do I set my heart on? What do I look to? And the answer is we look to Him. We magnify Him. We see that He is bigger, He is greater, He is more powerful than any moment or any second or any problem or any struggle that we may have be going through in our lives. And we see it as a season that He is in control of. And here in John 13, Peter looks at himself in this moment, in this very second, and he says, Lord, why can't I follow you? I will, I will lay down my life for you. Right? Peter is being bold here. He's like, I'll die for you, right? It's ride or die. I will die for you. That's what Peter is saying. But Jesus, he knows the season that Peter is in. And he says, will you lay down your life for me, Peter? Will you really? And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will crow Will not crow till you have denied me three times. Now let's fast forward a bit a bit to um, John twenty one. And this is after Peter has failed Jesus, denied him three times. He sees he sees Jesus die on the cross and is buried. He's dejected, he's demoralized. Then Peter he goes back to fishing, right? He goes back to what he did before Jesus called. And all of a sudden, they're fishing out in the sea, and this man comes to shore, and he asks them, Hey, do you have any fish? And they're like, No, we haven't caught anything. And then you tell him, like, Hey, put, put your net on the other side. And all of a sudden, they get so much fish that they can barely even bring it up onto the boat. And then Peter realizes that it's Jesus, and so he, he puts on his clothes, because they were fishing naked, right? I don't know why, but that's what it says. That they had taken off their clothes to fish. And so now he puts on his outer garments, he jumps in the ocean, and he starts swimming because he knows that it's Jesus, right? And he's coming after him, and he comes to shore, and then Jesus has this little fire going, and he tells him, do you have any fish? Give me some fish. I'll make breakfast for you guys. Let's sit down and eat. And here's this really weird interaction with Jesus and his disciples that isn't mentioned in the other Gospels, right? I want you to kind of realize what's happening. It says, verse 12, Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dare ask Him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after He was raised from the dead. So can you imagine, this is the third time that He had revealed Himself to, to, to his disciples, but what is their reaction? They're timid, right? Peter was never timid. Peter's the one that said like, you know, like, he rebuked Jesus and Jesus told him, get behind me Satan, right? He's the one that was so bold that he walked on water with Jesus. Yet, they're afraid to ask him. Even, if, even though they know that it's Jesus, they're, they're afraid to ask him, is it you Jesus, right? And this was the third time seeing him, and they're afraid to talk. They're they're afraid to even address him. Why? Well, they had all denied him. They had all fled. Peter especially. And remember when you were little and when you got into like really big trouble with your parents, right? Really, really big trouble. And then after they like you know punished you and yelled at you, and you you see them again, and you're just like you're like walking on eggshells. I remember like. I'd always like kinda like get out of my dad's way. I one time I got into really, really big trouble. I'm not gonna tell you why, but it was really when I was pretty young. I got into really big trouble. I cost my dad like a lot of money, right? My dad hated when he had to waste money. I remember like I I got hit, I got yelled at, you know, like all that. He took away all my toys, all my video games. And I remember like I would be like he would come down the he would, you know, come out of the kitchen and I'd kind of like dip out of the way and just like be really quiet. I would never like really talk directly to him. I would talk to him through my mother. I'd be like like mom, like where are we going tomorrow? <laughs> like I I, w- I wouldn't talk with him. Oh, and this is kind of the way that the disciples are treating Jesus. It says that this is the third time that Jesus had revealed himself to him. And they're they're walking on eggshells. I believe this is how they felt. Peter goes back to fishing because he doesn't feel worthy of being a disciple. Right? It's not like they thought that Jesus was already de- that Jesus was dead, and they're like, you know what? If this was all a lie, I'm going to go back to doing fishing. Jesus had already revealed himself to Peter, and yet Peter goes back to fishing. Why? Because Peter feels that he's not worthy. And so he's demoralized, he's dejected, and then Jesus asks Peter a question. Remember earlier, Jesus said one thing. Peter's Said another thing, right? But it was the same. It was similar things, but it was very different. There's another situation like that. He says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to them. He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. Now the word that Jesus uses is agape, which is God's love. It's the unconditional love. But Peter responds with filio. It's a friendly love, it's brotherly love. It's the love that is between you know us, brotherly love, but it's a conditional love, right? No matter how much we can say that we unconditionally love our brothers and sisters, it's still Phileo love to a certain degree. It's a conditional love. So Jesus asks Peter, Do you unconditionally love me? And Peter responds, Yes, I conditionally love you, Jesus. You know I do. Once again, they have different understandings of what they're saying. They have different understandings of what now meant and a different understanding of what love means. And God's understanding of now and love is so different than our understanding of now and love. How different would our lives would be if we saw that God has us in seasons and that He loves us unconditionally. And no matter what season we are in, no matter what we are going through in our season, God loves us unconditionally. So many times we see now, as in right this very second, when we're going through, we see it as God's con- that God loves us conditionally, and it's like my life sucks right now. God must hate me. My life is going so bad. I'm this struggle is so. Bad. He's punishing me. He doesn't like me. I'm going through this now, and so you know he's not for me. It's like Peter, I denied him three times. He doesn't love me. He doesn't want anything to do with me. Can you see what Peter is going through? Right? People think that Peter went back to fishing because he thought that Jesus was dead. No, he knew that Jesus was alive, but he still goes back to fishing. Why? Because he feels unworthy. He feels that Jesus doesn't love him. I might as well just go back to what I did before he found me. But what Jesus is saying is that it doesn't matter that He loves you unconditionally. It doesn't matter what season you're going through. It doesn't matter what things may look like now. In this moment, I am with you in this season. My love for you is unconditional. As a matter of fact, my love for you is what will sustain you in this season. Let's go back to chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give you that you love one another. How? Just as I have loved you. This is the key here. In order for us to really understand love at all, is to realize and understand how Jesus had loved us. He didn't love us conditionally, He doesn't love you conditionally. He loves you unconditionally, He loves you with agape love. Because those conditions were fulfilled by Him dying on the cross. Jesus, as I, just as I have unconditionally loved you, and continue to love you, don't let this moment or this second affect the way that you think that I love you. Right? No matter what you're going through, no matter what kind of season that you are in, don't let what's happening in this moment affect the way that you see the way that I love you. Right? Because God's love is unconditional. He agapes us. He doesn't know how to do any other kind of love, because that is God's love. And His agape love sustains us, it empowers us, it strengthens us. And and whatever season of our lives, whatever we may be going through, whatever tough season that we may be in, His love sustains us. Now, I want to end with this. Remember in verse 13, Peter was like, ride or die, right? He was like a gangster. He's like, Jesus, why can't I go with you now, right? I will die for you, right? He's like, he's so bold. He's like, man, I'm a, you know, like, like, you know, hang me on that cross, whatever. Like, I can. He, he has this confidence. I can go where you are gonna go because I, I mean, I'm willing to lay down my life for you. And Jesus says, really, will you lay down your life for me? And he says that he's gonna deny, deny him three times. But in chapter 21, after Peter had gone through his season, right? From from chapter 13 to chapter th- 21, there, Peter has gone through quite a bit, right? He's denied Jesus three times. And he's seen Jesus hang on the cross. He's been dejected. He's been, you know, he's been demoralized. He's been humbled. He doesn't feel worthy. And Jesus tells him to feed his sheep. And then he says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you are young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Well, what is Jesus talking about here? Right? Well, right? It says, this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. After saying this to him, he said, follow me. So in chapter 13, Peter's like, I'm on, I'll lay down my life for you. I'll die for you. I'll, you know, like, I, you know, it's right or die, right? I, I, I am gonna, I, I give my life for you, Jesus. And Jesus says, No, you're not. No, you're not. And then a season later, as Peter now realizes he can't do that, he realizes, you know, he's denied Jesus three times. It wasn't even like, will you die for me? It's like, will you even like, be associated with me? And Peter's like, oh no, I don't know that guy, right? <laughs> like, it, it, he, Jesus wasn't even saying like, like, you need to die for me. He's just like, will you even say that, like, you're my friend? He's like, oh no, you've never seen me with that guy before. After Peter has failed Jesus, Jesus tells him that, that he's gonna be able to do what he wanted to do all along. And when we read this depiction of Peter and Jesus telling Peter this, what he's saying, and he's telling it to us as well, that no matter what season we are in, his love will sustain us and get us to where he wants us to be. It doesn't really matter where we are at this moment, at this second in our life, because ultimately his love As long as we are living and and we focus our hearts and our minds on Jesus, His love will sustain us and will get us to where He wants us to be. Peter, you know, John 13, I would die for you. And Jesus is like, no, you're not. And Peter, John 21, he's like, he's he's messed up. And he's like, I don't even know if Jesus wants anything to do with me. And Jesus is saying, you know what? You're going to be martyred for me. This this is the way that you're going to die. You're going to, you're going to get old, and you you know people are going to have to dress you, and people are going to have to like you. You're not going to want to go somewhere, and they're going to take you there, and you're going to ultimately die for the glory of God. Whether we're like Peter in John 13, or we're in a season where we where we think we're ready, where we think we can do it, but God says no. or We're in a season of John 21 where we we've been humbled. And we don't even know if we can do it. And Jesus is telling us that it's His love that will sustain us in every season. And it's His love that will get us to where He wants us to go. And God knows He's he's working with imperfect people. you know that? you know that God knows that He's working with imperfect people? He knows how we will respond in these situations. He knew that Judas would betray Him. Right? If I knew that one day AJ was gonna betray me, I like, I'd be like, I know you man! <laughs> I would have called it out months ago, right? I'd be like, I'd write him letters, I know what you're gonna plan him to do man! Like, Why? Jesus knew Judas was gonna betray him and yet he still, he still loved him, right? He still, still was his, was his teacher. Jesus knows that he's working with imperfect people. He knew that Judas would betray Him. He knew that Peter would deny Him. That's why He doesn't see us in moments, but He sees us in seasons. Because a moment is like judgment. A moment, we we pick moments to judge, but seasons are a process. And that's why God sees us in seasons. If He chose to see us in moments, man, There's so many moments where I failed. There's so many moments where I've fallen short. There's so many, every moment, I've messed up. But God is saying, hey, I don't look at you like that. Because His desire is not to judge us, it's to love and change us and to sanctify us. And so he gives us these seasons, these long stretches of time where he wants to shape us, he wants to form us, he knows we're gonna mess up. He's not up there going like I I told you, I told you, Mina, I knew you would mess up, right? He's not up there being all like vindictive, you know, waiting for you to mess up. He knows that you'll mess up, he knows that he will treat your husband bad, you know? I'm just kidding. Now He knows that we're going to do certain things. It's, he knows that He's working with imperfect people, but He has us in seasons so that He can change us and, 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 and introduce us, put, bring stigma, like, like a, what, what, what is it? Stimulus and, and things like difficulties and troubles and trials and even blessings in our lives to shape us into the person that He wants us to be. That's why He sets us up for seasons. You no, a leaf, a tree needs to go through summer to experience fall. A tree needs to experience fall to experience winter. A tree needs to experience winter to experience spring. Imagine if a tree didn't have spring, right? Spring is when all of the buds come out, right? If it didn't have spring, then it would never have a summer where the fruit would... Would come. And if we don't have a fall where all of those leaves fall down, then we would never ultimately have a winter and there wouldn't be a spring again. Right? We need seasons in our lives in order for us to shape us and form us and to, to get us to where He wants us to go. Jesus knew that Peter would mess up, that He would deny Him, but He also knew that Peter would become the man that preaches a sermon and 5,000 people are added to the church in one single day. Jesus knew that Peter was going to deny him, and yet he also knew that he would ultimately become the, 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 the church. He would be the foundation of what the church comes from. He would be the church fathers. He would be the one that would be martyred for the kingdom of God. Because he, he didn't see Peter at this one moment, this one second in his life, but he saw him in the seasons that he had ordained for him. And brothers and sisters, we are in a season. Our church is in a season. You guys are all in seasons of your life. And we can see this moment as a, as, as a moment, as this, as this issue, like, hey, you know, this is something, this is what's happening in my life. It might be a situation where you feel stuck in this moment, this very second. You, it feels unbearable, it feels unsurmountable. But Jesus says, it's just a season. God has you in a season, and it's to strengthen you, it's to see you grow, it's to see you mature. And he tells us to hold fast to the truth that there is another season coming, a new season that he is preparing for us. Don't live your lives in seconds and moments. Don't see yourselves don't focus so much in, in, in what's happening right now, this very second. But look to Jesus, and He will point you to the seasons that you are in. And when you look at a season, it's hard to just look at it, because you don't know how it's going to begin, and you don't know how it's going to end. Nobody knows how to tell the future. If you do, let me know. I would like to have a conversation with you, right? Nobody knows what's going to happen, right? That's the hard part of seasons. God, I don't know how this season is going to end. It's like watching a TV show. Oh, I don't know how this, I don't know how this season is going to end, right? That's the difficult part of it. But when we have, when we know that we're in a season, we know that we we have a God of seasons, and that He is in control, and that He has ordained it for our lives. And ultimately, it is for our good that He works all things for good for those that that love Him and are called to His purpose. Let's all stand up and we're going to close in prayer.